0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast
1: network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want?
0: Change is the one constant in life. It is inevitable and it will happen to all of us at one time or another. Whether we like it or not, people and circumstances will change. We will get sick, loved ones will die, jobs will be lost, couples will grow apart, and children will move out. And when that happens, we are scared and sometimes lost. But here is the good news. Each one of us can write the next chapter of our life. No matter what we face, with the right mindset and unwavering tenacity, we can raise the curtain to a second act. I'm Joan Herman, and through my Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brand and Second Acts, it is my mission to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation to write the next part of your story. And what a story it will be. Welcome to Second Acts. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for joining us. Finding out you have cancer can be devastating. Feelings of depression, anxiety, and fear are common. Today's guest, Douglas Wick, was diagnosed with late-stage leukemia. His journey from diagnosis to today is inspiring, and it offers hope to anyone traveling the same road. Welcome, Doug. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Honored to be here. Thank you, Joan.
0: So, Doug, let's start at the beginning. What were you experiencing when you were diagnosed? Were you having any health issues at the time?
1: I was having some uh, minor issues. Well, with my, uh, I had been diagnosed with uh, di- type two diabetes, and um, I couldn't get my levels, my blood sugar levels down, and been working on it for weeks. And uh, the night, the night before I actually did a blood test, I was um, at a basketball game with my son, and uh, climbing up the stairs, my my uh, legs felt like, um, like they were, you know, uh, lead in them. And um, so I was I was concerned and worried about that. And when I went in to do the blood test the next day, um, I, you know, was hoping to find out what the uh, what the verdict was. And when the doctor uh, called me back later that afternoon, uh, he had indicated to me that I I had to get to the hospital immediately, get to the emergency room uh, because my I was anemic. I my blood levels, uh, you know, were about half of what they should be for a person my size. So. Um, that that's what was immediately, uh, you know, causing the, the concern and why I had to go to the hospital. And when I found out I had uh, cancer.
0: Doug, when was the last blood test you had before that time? Did this happen quickly?
1: Yeah, it, it seemed to happen really quickly. And um, I, I couldn't even tell you when the last blood test was at least six months or maybe even a year since, uh, you know, before, um, before it happened. Yeah.
0: So everything was looking good at that time. So when you ended up going to the hospital and they did extensive studies, what did they find?
1: Um, they found out the, you know, I was in the hospital overnight on a Friday night. I, I you know, went in, I'd never been really into the hospital ever before. Uh, and, uh, you know, they did tests on me, uh, you know, gave me transfusions to hopefully bring the, you know, my blood levels back up to the appropriate level. And uh, the next morning, the Doctor came in and, um, matter of factly announced that I, you know, it appeared I had acute myeloid leukemia. And at that same time, he told me that it looked like I'd probably have to be in the hospital for uh, up to a year, and uh, which was devastating to me. I, I can remember just being uh, both shocked and angry at the time because I was, the you know, the sole breadwinner for our family. And I didn't know, you know, I had two young children at the time uh, and uh, wasn't sure how I was going to be able to navigate that, you know. So it was uh, it was just yeah, devastating, to say the least.
0: Yeah. Why did he say you would have to be in the hospital for a year?
1: Um, well that's normally the treatment for acute myeloid leukemia um you you get put into a private room uh because of the uh they they have to reduce your blood levels so low for the uh, uh cancer treatment that you just have to be isolated and uh he said usually that's what the length of time that most patients are in for. That is, if they do eventually get cured. And he did add that to that, you know, statement that, you know, if you survive. So it was, um, it was gut wrenching.
0: Is that what you did, Doug? You then checked yourself into the hospital?
1: Yeah, I I did. And uh, I, you know, frankly, that, that day I can remember uh, because I, you know, I was so worried about financially what would happen to my family uh, with me being the, you know, the sole uh, earner in our family. I, I just told the doctor to shoot me now. Because I was, you know, I thought, I didn't know what the, you know, you, with, the, with uh, something like uh, cancer, I didn't have any idea what my insurance would cover or wouldn't cover. And I was afraid that my family was going to end up in back bankruptcy. So we we went down that, that next day and, and um, checked into the hospital at the University of Iowa. Yes. Yeah.
0: And so what did you experience during the next 12 months?
1: Well, d- d- during the next 12 months, um, actually the next seven months, I, I went through, uh, five chemo, uh, chemotherapies. I, um, uh, you know, when I went into, when I got into the hospital, my, uh, bone marrow was 84% cancerous. And immediately they said, um, you've got a less than a 10% chance of survival here, but it got worse because they also found out I had monosomy seven, uh, with the tests that happened during the first week. And in, what, what monosomy seven is, is, uh, a condition where your uh, chromosome, your, my, in this case, my seventh chromosome, wasn't duplicated. So they said it's going to be di- more difficult. So uh, by the time I went through the five chemos, I had less than a 2% chance of cancer uh, remission. And uh, so I had to do something. Uh, I, I felt I needed to do something else. And one of my friends from Israel actually contacted me. And, and um, we were in, in contact having a weekly meeting. And he had suggested I uh, read a book by Joe Dispenza. I think you've had Joe on your program, um, it, which was which was called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And I had had some success meditating earlier in my life, and so I started meditating. In addition to doing a number of things, in fact, I created much to much like what I did for my business. I'd always been creating dashboards. I, in essence, created a new dashboard just for my health to monitor. Uh, my habits of meditating every day, you know making positive affirmations, uh, exercising every day and then and then researching ways to possibly find another way to um, uh, you know cure my cancer, so that was kind of my routine and and I did something different as well when I got into the hospital, which was uh, the first thing I did is I decided i 'm not going to wear the house hospital gowns and everything else um, because I felt that would you know mean I was a victim. Of what was going on, I said I just decided I was going to get up every day and dress um, like I, I did when I was home and, and and at work. And in fact, after the first week, the uh, um, uh, physician assistant there asked me, uh, you know, I asked him, "Can I work from uh, the hospital?" And I ended up actually working from my hospital bed uh, for the uh, nearly uh, seven months, eight months that I was in the hospital, which uh, which kind of ticked off some of the uh, people. Uh, nurses and doctors, because I would have signs on my door that would say, you know, in a meeting or I'm meditating, and which meant they couldn't enter, uh, which was not something you probably see too much at a hospital.
0: But you know what? I, I wish it was something we saw more of because you are a testament to why I do this work and the purpose of this work. And and you're right, Dr. Joe Dispenza has been on the show a few times and what you just shared was that you were in a situation where many people would say this is it i'm done I, you know they would check out and really give up but at the moment when they were telling you you had a 2% chance of survival was when you i would say got your head in the game so to speak you turned it around and do you feel that you had the the that you were really the person that change this around. Do you credit yourself for your survival?
1: Well, I certainly uh, have to give myself credit for the outcome. I, I would say, you know, the me and the creator. Okay. Because I think I believe that there was, you know, powers beyond me that helped helped me. But I, I believe I helped set the stage by having the discipline and believing, you know, I think as we talked about before, I'm responsible. I, I felt responsible for, for, why i got cancer uh which which frankly the first day or two i beat myself up about but frankly uh the truth is is if i was responsible for uh somehow unconsciously or whatever getting cancer then i was also responsible for being able to get rid of cancer i i had a doctor that told me this is about you know after the five um chemotherapies that i had uh, you know, that looked at my chart when I got back, uh, home and she was, we were doing some transfusions. She said, Doug, go home, uh, spend the, what time you have remaining with, uh, your family and your loved ones. And, and the truth was I, I had, uh, been meditating and I never believed I was going to die. I can't explain why I felt that way, but you know, um, I, I did, I just didn't feel that way. And I remember after that meeting, meditating, uh, with the after the doctor, I had got I was getting transfusions. I meditated, and after that meditation, I realized, you know, as part of this meditation process, um, you you go through a an element of deciding how you're gonna how how is it going to be when you make it out. And I realized that I hadn't been envisioning that, I hadn't been feeling it in my heart. And when I got back to the hospital the next time, um, something miraculous occurred there in my hospital room uh, that gave me the idea that I was going to be cured, and uh, four weeks later, I discovered I was cured uh, when when they did the final clinical trial, which um, eventually got me free of my cancer. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? it I, it would probably take me too long to tell you the whole process but in the, one of the, the last pieces of the process that dispensa has you do is uh, imagine or envision what it would be like when whenever whatever trial or whatever challenge you're trying to overcome you're through you're past that and i envisioned myself on a beach in hawaii my son, my children were coming my wife and i were there and frankly i was there to speak uh to a group that on how i had managed to conquer my cancer. And uh, so uh, when I got back to the hospital after this doctor had told me to, uh, that, you know, to just live the rest of my life and kind of give up more or less, uh, I would meditate. And when I would finish the meditation, there were several times when I came out of that meditation, literally crying, because I had, I had been there, I'd been on the beach, I'd been in front of those people speaking at what had happened. And very shortly after that, I, uh, is when the miracle occurred that I, you know, I got a picture on my screen that told me my cancer was going to be cured. Uh, I went through the clinical trial and, um, when, uh, one night I'm, I'm home, uh, because when you get, um, you know, the, the, uh, you, they drill into your back to get your, um, biopsy, uh, they tell you to go home for a couple of days cause it takes you a couple of days to get, um, the, uh, results from that. And I got a call about 930 at night uh, on a warm summer night in July. And it was from my doctor. And he said, Doug, I don't normally call my patients this late at night, but I don't normally have this good of news either to tell them. And he said, Doug, the results of your biopsy came back and there's absolutely no trace of cancer in hmm. your bone marrow.
0: Doug, in or addition, actually. To everything that you just described to us, that you did, did you make any other lifestyle changes?
1: You know, um, lifestyle changes. I I was conscious more of what I was eating, but I don't think I I made um, real real choices there that that um, significantly altered my my diet. I lost a lot of weight in the hospital, which which was I think normal through through chemo. But the main thing I did was the meditation. Uh, I would meditate an hour. Probably sometimes two three hours a day. You know, sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I might be getting um, anxious about it. And I, and instead of being anxious about it, I would meditate. Um, and um, and other than that, I did consciously make an effort to um, every day be positive, to, to dress normal, not wear the you know the gowns that people would normally do. Um, and um, and then um, also just say positive affirmations. I'm a big believer in positive affirmations. And anytime I would get uh, a feeling of uh, concern or anxiety about it, I I would just repeat uh, an affirmation that I would have to keep myself focused on, uh, you know, the outcome and a positive uh, view on life. So,
0: And so by dressing yeah. up the way you did yeah. and, and showing up for life, you at that moment decided you weren't going to die. You were going to have your life back.
1: Uh, exactly. I, I took... In my mind, I just simply decided I'm going to be responsible for this, and I believe I'm going to, you know, I'm going to survive and thrive. Um, the the par- uh, I'm not sure if um, our listeners would be familiar with the Stockdale paradox, but in essence, uh, he was uh, Admiral Stockdale was the um, highest-ranking um, Vietnam prisoner of war, and he had um, he has a quote which in essence says. I believe that, by, uh, that I would come through the situation. I think he spent seven years in um, uh, the prison in uh, you know, North Vietnam. And he said, I believed I was gonna come through this and be better than what I was for having done it. And I never gave up faith that that was what, what was gonna happen. And um, it's, uh, it was a powerful reminder to me that I was gonna come through this and be a better person than I had before I came through came into it.
0: You were given a 2% chance of surviving. Did any of the doctors that were working with you did any of them ever say to you, what did you do, Doug? Why are you still here? <laughs>
1: uh I don't recall anybody really asking me that. No, I mean, I do have, you know, my uh my doctor uh afterwards um in fr- in fact, I don't know that any of them told me I only had a percent chance of survival until after I survived but um, one of my doctors would say said to me several times you know you're a medical miracle Doug Uh, people just don't come through this like you did and and so but nobody ever really asked me what I did differently well um,
0: that's you know I ask everyone that question who's in a a situation similar to what you've just expressed because I know if I was a doctor and I was looking at a patient that I was viewing as A medical miracle, I would say. What did you do so I can tell other people?
1: Yeah, and my guess is they they believe that the the medicine, the chemotherapy, was ultimately responsible for it. The clinical trial, and and that's you know because their their belief system is medicine works. You know, and um, if you ask me, I would say the the meditation, you know, really is what uh, helped me. I was fortunate. Um, Joan, that I was healthy, you know, even when I got to the clinical trial, um, Dr. Carter explained, I interviewed him afterwards for my, you know, the book I'm writing um, uh, and have written uh, what, what the difference was in his mind. And he, he felt that he said, by the time most people go through five chemotherapies and get to a clinical trial, in most cases, they're not even in a position that, to be able to get a clinical trial. So I, I just believe the doctors have such a infallible view of the medicine uh, that they're and, and the applications that they use that, that that's just naturally what they think and they move on to the next patient. They're busy people, you know? Yeah. So
0: I have a friend who was recently diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia, and I remember the day her chemotherapy pills arrived at her home. I happened to be there that day. And she mm. wanted to go into this journey with the mindset of, welcoming the medication into her body, um, you know, visualizing herself healing. Because it, it, what she believed is, if she was so fearful of the chemo and she was going to be afraid of all of the side effects that are listed, and the list is long, she would drive yeah. herself crazy and make herself sick. So what she decided to do was bless the chemotherapy the day it arrived and welcome it as her friend into her body. And I have to say, she has not experienced any one of those side effects to this date. You know, we pray that continues, but I think it has a lot to do with the mindset.
1: I, I would, um, you know, and I think you, your, your other, uh, right, change your attitude, change your life. I think that is so true. I, I think, you know, I never I never imagined the chemo treating me badly or anything else. I never was afraid of the chemo. And your your friend really is a great example of that idea of change your attitude. Accept it, bless it. Uh, believe that it's going to be, uh, you know, save your life, and um, I think the outcome becomes much different if you're if you're accepting and have the right attitude about it and expect positive things.
0: I agree, yeah. and, and that's why I love doing this show with you today. So, Doug, if for someone who has a new diagnosis and is facing a journey similar to what you experienced, what do you say to that person to offer him or her hope?
1: Uh, you know. I think that, that you know that's a challenge depending on what what the person is experiencing. If uh, you know, one of the things I found is that that health, depending on how you feel, uh, that can really have a great effect on your mindset. But if you can accept the idea that you're responsible, and believe that that things can um, that you can have control over it, control everything that you can, control your attitude. I think attitude is so important, as you well know, and and then look for other, look for other aspects of how you can possibly, uh, uh, treat this and, and attack it. Uh, because, um, in, in reality, take control of what you can control and you'll feel much better about what going through it. Whereas if you're just submissive to what's going on, you, you, you lose control of, um, how, how, of the outcome as well in my mind. So I would just tell them to be very, very positive, uh, pray whatever you meditate whatever it is the exercise do whatever is in their power schedule create a dashboard and figure out here's here's what how i am going to be working with whatever the medicine is you're going to plan to use to uh, achieve the outcome that you want be a partner and be responsible for the outcome and i think they'll find that they uh they get a better outcome than they would otherwise.
0: I couldn't agree with you more because as you said, doctors look at this as the medicine will do the job and it will, the medicine will do what it's supposed to do. But equally, if not more important is your role in that. You have to work as a team with the treatment. You have to take charge of your life. Like you said, meditate, get your head in the game, practice gratitude, eat nutritionally, move your body. Anything you can do to aid the healing
1: yeah, there's a there's an interesting book by Emmett Fox that says, um, uh, in essence, <clears throat> that, that um, everybody has a different God. Okay, my God, I believe can cure cancer. Okay, your God might not. <laughs> and and really, it is your belief system that determines the outcome. I feel um, it, it. You know, is that 100% true? I don't know, but it certainly has proven its way in my life that if that if I believe I'm gonna be able to be cured by this and th- that's what I did and that's, I set out with the intention of, of, of achieving that and looking at what were my options, what are the activities that I can do to make this possible that I'm gonna survive this cancer and I'm gonna come out better for it. Um, and if you look at the challenge that way, that not only am I going to survive this, I'm gonna come out better because of it. I think now you've got a now you've got a uh, purpose to live and a reason to live, and and actually prove to everyone that um, this is not going to defeat you.
0: Doug, you have such an inspiring story, and I know you're working on a book now, and and, and I know when that book comes out, it is going to change lives. And when it does, I want to have you come back on the show. So thank you for being here. Thank Thank you you for sharing so openly and honestly, because as I said, you are going to help so many people.
1: Thank you, Joan. Thanks so much, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you and I love I love your whole uh, approach here with change your uh, attitude change your life Uh, it's something I certainly and wholeheartedly believe in thank you for having me
0: thank you for joining us I hope you found the show informative at change your attitude change your life we believe that knowledge is power take what you've learned apply it and live your best life now Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, subscribe to our mailing list, check out our articles, magazine, book club, and be sure to follow us on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.